Blackbirds, Volume 1, Episode 4. Written by Andre Philip Coleman. McCray House, Night. Leona wakes Robert up. What is it, baby? I heard something. Oh, come on, Leona. I locked the door. Wait, wait, you hear that? It sounds like voices. See? See, there it is. Robert listens for a few seconds. He hears muffled voices coming from downstairs. That damn boy. Robert gets out of bed. Tension and fear mounted in the town of 1,564 whites, 2,500 Negroes. The story of how Reverend Lee died was told by eyewitnesses who have been kept secret by the NAACP. Their account. Living room. Joshua is transfixed in front of the television. Robert comes down the stairs. Boy, do you know what time it is? I couldn't sleep. That doesn't mean you come down here in the middle of the night. What are you looking at? Joshua gets nervous as Robert comes close. He quickly changes the channel. Uh, Nothing really. Robert turns the channel back. Shortly after the slang... Those Sony telephone operators refused to take long-distance calls from Negroes, making it... The hell happened to him? He voted, so they shot him in the face. Neither one of them says anything for a few seconds. Cyrus Walton of Yazoo City, who were called in by Reverend Lee's widow to examine the body, reported that the minister's jaw tissues contained pellets fired at close range from a high-powered gun. Where did this happen? Mississippi, and now all the black people are down there protesting. You know what can happen for stepping out of line like this? Of course I do. Just don't forget it. You think his people are going to do anything about it? In Mississippi, they'll burn his family out. Why don't we fight back? Why do we have to take this kind of stuff? That's how things are. But there were some people just on a little while ago talking about marching and, and protesting and changing things. You got to live by the way things are, not by the way you want things to be. Dan, what happened to Uncle Philip? The question catches Robert off guard. What? He was my uncle. I think I should know what happened to him. Yeah, I guess you should. I ever tell you you look just like him? He was smart, too. Always reading something or asking questions. He loved sugar cane. Loved it. There used to be this old blind man who sold it. It was always fresh, just picked. Only cost two pennies, but half the time, even that was too much for us. But every now and then, he would give us some near the end of the day. One day, Philip found a quarter and goes to buy some sugar cane. 
kept bragging to all the kids how he was about to buy 12 stalks of sugar cane. This white boy said the quarter was his and told your uncle to give it to him. Your uncle looked him right in the eye, got right in his face and told him no. He didn't come home that next day. When we found him, one of his shoes was missing and his eye was damn near gouged out. Back then, folks were so poor that sometimes they had to wear two different kinds of shoes. You could even buy one shoe. Some people would get one shoe and trade something for another. I had to watch that boy walk around in them for two years. Robert turns his attention back to the television again. A man can't change the world or the way things are. Only thing a man can change is himself. Riding off until 6.30 this morning. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Robert shuts off the television. Get on upstairs, boy, and go to bed. Vacant lot. Night. Flower rains down on the prone body of a young black boy. Frankie stands over the boy and laughs as he empties the bag. He shakes the bag a few times and drops it and kicks the boy in the ribs. There are several knots on the boy's head, and there is so much blood it is hard to tell which wound it seeps from. Frankie walks away callously as the boy moans in pain. Frankie opens and closes his hand a few times as he and his friends pile into his car. Damn, his head is hard. I almost broke my hand. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a hot one this weekend, up over a hundred. My old man said this heat is going to bring the devil to town. (laughs) Hell, son, he may already be here. The boys laugh as they drive off. Lake. Day. Lincoln runs his comb through his hair and slides a lucky strike. It's a beautiful scene, picturesque. The water is clear and stretches as far as the eye can see. Dragonflies hover over several flowers. Lincoln looks around. He knocks on the door of an old shack. He turns and watches as a trout leaps in the air and grabs a horsefly. He blows several smoke rings and puts the cigarette out on the sole of his shoe. Lincoln waits patiently. Come on, Emmy. Amy, come on, man, it's hot out here. Emmett opens the door. He's old, blind in one eye. Stop being so impatient. Lincoln walks in. There's a deer head on the wall, and alligator skins hang from the ceiling as they dry out. You want some jerky? Nah, I'm cool. How's today's brew? (laughs) Just brewed this batch this morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Emmett hands Lincoln a jar with an auburn liquid inside. Lincoln swirls the jar a little bit and smells the liquid. He takes a drink. (coughs) (coughs) Damn, 
Damn, this is horrible. Come on, man, I need the good stuff. You still owe me $2 from a month ago. <sighs> Come on, Emmett, give me something. You see a sign out there that says free? This is how I make my money. Check this out. They walk over to the window. There is a tall, beautiful, long-legged black woman in a blue dress standing next to a convertible. Now, do you understand where I'm coming from? Oh, yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> now I see why you want the good stuff. So, can we make a deal? I wouldn't be a Christian man if I kept you from that. Go ahead. Fill both your flasks. Next time, though, I don't care if you show up with Lena Horn. I want my money. Thanks, Emmett. Emmett moves a rug back and opens a trap door in the floor. He grabs a board with a rope on it and pulls up a ladder. They climb down. Cellar. There are barrels and barrels of moonshine and several jars on a table. That's what you want right there. Emmett opens a jar, tastes a concoction, and smiles. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you, gonna, you gonna give up a flask? Now nah, we're gonna share this one. Second one's for later. McCray House. It's a beautiful day. Joshua comes out of the house and leaps off the porch. There is a spring in his step. He bounds over to Lana's house. Porch. Joshua runs up the stairs and stops at the door. He gathers himself for a second and knocks on the door. Before long, Bernice answers the door. She folds her arms and stares into his eyes. Mr. McCray, I must admit this is a surprise I didn't expect you to come back. Good morning, ma'am. I'm here to ask you for your permission to take your daughter on a date. She opens the door all the way and steps out on the porch. It's obvious Joshua is nervous. The question remains, why should I let you take out my Lana? Miss Harrell, I don't have a flashy answer for you. I keep trying to think of one and I can't come up with anything. All I can tell you is that I want to take your daughter out for a Coca-Cola. Well, which is it, a date or just a Coca-Cola? Both, I guess. You don't know which one? A, a date, I guess. Joshua looks down. Bernice smiles for a little bit, and then her stern look comes back to her face before Joshua notices. But you can't tell me why I should allow you to date my daughter? No, I can't. Then how am I supposed to know you're a man of character? I came back like I said I would. He raises his head and looks her in the eye. She's surprised at first, and then she smiles at him. Lana, come down here, please. After a few seconds, Lana comes outside. She lights up when she sees Joshua. Hi, Joshua. Yes, Mama? Lana, this young man would like to ask you a question. Joshua freezes. Well, are you going to just stand there? Go ahead and ask her. I was wondering if I could take you out for a Coca-Cola on Saturday. I'd like that. They smile at each other. 
Now that we have that all settled, go and check on your brother. I need to speak to Mr. McRae. Lana goes back in the house and closes the door. Lana does a happy dance. I want to make a couple things clear, Mr. McRae. I'm giving you permission to take my daughter out on one date. One. If that goes well, we'll talk about another one. I expect you to behave like a gentleman at all times. If you don't, you will have to deal with me. Do I make myself clear? Yes, ma'am. You be here at 7 o'clock. And that means be here at 6.45. Do not be late, understand? Yes, ma'am. I'll be on time. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Have a good day. Joshua strolls away happily. Dernier day. It's brutally hot and humid, even for Louisiana standards. People are doing everything they can to stay cool in the heat. Town Square. The thermometer over the movie theater reads 101. The marquee on the Monarch Theater reads, Rebel Without a Cause, Air Conditioned. Street. Kids play in the middle of the street near an open fire hydrant. Other residents are spraying themselves with water hoses. Church. People pray for relief from the heat. Their church is half full, and the congregation uses handmade fans to cool themselves. All right, Lord, three people have died. We call on you to provide us relief from this heat. Melvin's Porch. Edgar and Melvin drink lemonade next to a fan. Their tank tops are drenched in sweat. The train horn blows in the distance. McCray House. Robert and Leona seek relief behind a bowl of ice as a fan blows toward the ice. Upstairs, Joshua pulls a shirt from his closet. He looks at it and groans as he throws it on his bed with the half dozen other rejected shirts. Lincoln listens to Elvis on the radio and laughs. Wait, what's wrong with that one? It doesn't work. I'm about to blow it. <sighs> You're not about to blow it. Relax. Look at the second drawer. I think there's a black and white shirt in the back that should fit you. Joshua digs into the drawer. Out of the way, Junior. Lincoln fixes the shirts in the drawer and then pulls out the perfect shirt for Joshua. He tosses the shirt to him. Hmm. Might as well keep it. It looks like you. Have Mom take that up for you, baby boy. You don't want to get lost in the chest. Shut up. Look, be yourself. Women can smell a fake a mile away. How can they tell if you're being fake? See, how you start is how you have to finish. Keep it simple. Impress her. But don't do something that you can't top later. Joshua doesn't understand. 
Just have mom fix the shirt and keep it simple tonight. And make sure you go take a shower. Joshua leaves the room. Living room. Joshua comes down the stairs as Robert listens to the radio. Hey, Mom, you take the shirt off of me? I want to wear it tonight. And why didn't you bring it to me sooner? Lincoln just gave it to me. <sighs> Let me see it. Come here. Always wait until the last minute. Go and put it on. Joshua puts the shirt on. Oof. Rita, go get my sewing box. Robert unplugs the radio as Rita runs off. I'm going to take this upstairs. I'll be up in a little while, baby. Rita comes back with a cigar box. It's full of pins and needles and threads. She begins to tug and fold the shirt. Uh, hold still. Leona rolls up a sleeve and puts a pin in it. I talked to Lana's mother this week. I want you to be on your best behavior. Come on, Mama. You are a young man now. What you do reflects on all of us. So you need to carry yourself right. Yeah, I guess. Nervous? Kind of, I guess. Hey, don't worry about your nerve. I'm sure she is, too. Leona smiles. She continues to work on the shirt. Uh, Mama, do you think things will ever change? Hmm. Well, change how? Uh, you know, like equality and all that stuff. Just because somebody doesn't treat you as an equal, that doesn't mean you're not equal. But will the world ever change? Seems like a new protest is springing up every day. If people keep fighting, it could happen, I guess. All right, baby, take that shirt off so I can finish it up. It's dusk. The sky is full of orange and red colors. Joshua is in front of the mirror putting the shirt on. It fits perfectly. Lincoln is reading a magazine. I heard they only gonna show him from the waist up. Wow. You told me a hundred times already. Lincoln walks over and opens a window. He stands next to it and lights a cigarette. Takes a deep drag and blows the smoke out of the window. Remember what I told you, Joshy? Joshua doesn't respond as he leaves the room. Lincoln continues smoking. Living room. Joshua comes downstairs. Leona breaks out in a wide smile when she sees him. Oh, my. Bobby! Come see Josh! Oh! Rita watches television. Joshua rolls his eyes and sighs. Bobby! So, are you going to kiss her? Shut up, Rita. I don't have to. You're not the boss of me. That's enough out of the both of you, huh? Rita, stop teasing your brother. Rita sticks her tongue out at him. And when Leona turns her back, she continues to make faces at him until Robert comes down the steps. You look good, son. Thanks, Daddy. Y'all go on. I want to talk to Josh. Leona and Rita leave. 
Robert sits down on the couch. Have a seat, son. Robert scratches his short beard. Dad, I don't want to be late. Miss Harold said be there at 6.45. You ain't going but right next door. You got time. Joshua begrudgingly sits down. I'm not good at talking. That's your mama's name. But I suppose this is my job. Is there anything you want to ask me about before you go? No. I suppose you already know all about sex by now. Dad, come on, it's not like that. But wait a minute now. I was about your age the first time I came to know a woman. I just want you to be careful. Don't worry, Dad. Robert smiles a little bit. <laughs> go on then. Have a good time. My face is itching something fierce. Pick me up a razor. Sorry, I forgot that. I won't forget this time. Can I go now? If you come home without it tonight, tomorrow your behind is walking back down there before breakfast. Do you hear me? Yes, Dad. Go on now. Leona watches him as he crosses the front yard. He's going to marry this girl. Yes, he is.